The True Crime Society podcast contains adult themes and violence and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the True Crime Society podcast with Stephanie and Olivia. It is January 12th here right now. Um, I don't think the date should really matter too much. No, this case, I don't think so. Because I don't think anything's going to happen. Nothing big anyway. Well, until the trial starts, but getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> yeah, that won't happen yet. So weather <laughs> is rainy. I feel like we don't get snow ever anymore. It's just like rainy and gross and cold. No snow, nothing no exciting. Benefit, no benefits to the cold. No. <laughs> it's ridiculous. How about for you? It's been all right here. Like some days are a little bit overcast, but generally it's been hot and sunny. That is quite humid. Like we went out for dinner last night and I was just, we were sitting in the restaurant and for some reason it was just so hot. I was like, oh my mm. gosh, we had to actually go and sit outside where it was surprisingly cooler but i think the humidity is around 85 percent which is fun but anyway it's all good not too bad everything's yeah no it's been nice enough we've been doing lots of swimming the kids have been living in the pool during summer which is good and they're at the beach this morning with my sister-in-law so that's nice for them (laughs) how was your weekend away it was nice. Oh, we actually got upgraded. So I just booked us into like a hotel room with two beds for me and the two kids. And I was like, oh, yeah. But when we got there, they upgraded us to a two-bedroom apartment with two bathrooms. It was very, very luxurious. <laughs> yeah, you sent me the pics. looked really nice. Yeah, it was nice. And you could we see good the, the fireworks. Yeah. they So every Saturday night down there in Sydney, they have like fireworks just for fun, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. And we went out for dinner and then the kids wanted to go back to the hotel. So we just lay in bed and watched the fireworks, which was, yeah, it was really nice. We had a good time. We did lots of walking. Like the second day, I think we did like 20,000 steps or something. My little one wasn't coping. It's too hot. Uh-huh. I can't walk anymore. <laughs> but anyway, that was really good. It was nice just to get away for a little little break. Yeah, I've been trying to get more steps in, speaking of walking. So I w- have like a tiny office at my job and I've just been literally walking in circles in my little <laughs> office during the day when I'm not busy, just try to get some steps in. It's been working out pretty well. I hit like almost 9,000 steps yesterday. Usually That's I only funny. get like five. So It's so hard. Like I notice so much difference when I'm in the office compared to when I'm, you know, not it's crazy. It's so hard when you're just kind of stagnant in an office to get your steps up. Yeah. I'm like, I usually, when I'm not busy, I just sit here and I mean, I sit like at my desk. I'm just like not doing anything. I was like, well, I may as well walk in some circles. <laughs> <laughs> I went back to the gym this week for the first time since like before Christmas. <laughs> that was very tough, but it was actually very enjoyable, surprisingly. So that was good. Yeah. I keep telling myself I'm going to start like actually working out, but then. I've had this bad headache for a few days. I always find like some excuse to be like, oh, I just don't feel great. <laughs> I know. Like, yeah, I'm the same. I'm like, oh, you work today. That means you don't have to go to the gym. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, I had a tough day. But I'm like, every day is a tough day. <laughs> I've been, um, Mike's birthday is coming up in a couple weeks on January 27th, hopefully. Otherwise, I'll have to edit that out. <laughs> but I've been trying to plan a reverse surprise party. Well, I was trying to anyways, but 
Mike hates like the idea of not knowing what's going on. So of course I had to tell him exactly what was going on. But my original <laughs> plan was we were going to go to like a bar down the road from us. And then for a reverse surprise party, it's like you're there already. And then like the friends just show up sporadically. Oh, so it's like cute. less less pressure than an actual yeah. like everybody has to hide. <laughs> that's a good idea. Yeah, one of my sister's friends did it, and I thought that was such a cool idea and way easier than, like, an actual surprise. Way easier to pull off. Yeah, but I was, like, I had to be, like, so, like, for your birthday, do you want to go here? I'm just, like, not good at it. <laughs> and then he was, like, what are you planning? I like, um, <laughs> nothing. Nothing. I was, like, just, like, a little casual get-together. He's, like, okay, but who's coming? I was, like, your friends. He's, like, which friends? <laughs> has to okay the guest list first literally but i'm the same way i i hate like like when you're worried there's gonna be a surprise it's the worst do you like a surprise party um i've never actually had one myself and i haven't i can't even remember if i've i think i've been to one or two in my life but yeah i don't mind but i do agree it's so hard to pull off like to get everyone in the room at the time you know when you need them there um no, I, I'm not adverse to one. <laughs> yeah. But it's even hard just like getting the the guest of honor like where they need to be without making them letting suspicious. Them know. Yeah, yeah, without letting them know what's going on. That's what I was worried about with the plan originally. I was like, okay, well, I'll pick like this place and I have to get him there, but I have to like make it seem like it's his choice. So, because uh, you don't want to be like, let's go here and have them be like, no, I don't want to go there. <laughs> I'm like, well, too bad. You have to. <laughs> you don't get a choice <laughs> so anyways now it's just like a regular get together but that's fine that'll be fun yeah it'll be fun either way so in case anyone's kind of wondering because i know we did the emergency moscow episode last week brian koberger did appear in court today essentially nothing really happened except they have now said he waived the right to a speedy preliminary hearing and he's hearing will now be held on June 26. So essentially it sounds like nothing will likely much happen in that case now until June 26. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not really surprised. It's a little bit, I guess, disappointing for people who have followed it because it will lose a bit of momentum now, but I guess it's just what's needed in the kind of legal process. Yeah, I'll be married by then, I was saying. <laughs> His attorney, Ann Taylor, said he's willing to waive timeliness to allow us time to obtain discovery in the case and be prepared. So, And then I saw, I don't know like how true this is or if just the attorney was saying, but they're saying there's no connection to any of them. Yeah, it's so weird. Like there's so much back and forth because I know that I th I'm pretty sure it was originally Kaylee's dad who came out and said there was a connection and then he changed it to they were looking for a connection and now it's there's no connection. The police haven't confirmed. I feel like he might not even know. Like how would he, you know. Maybe not like as of now. Yeah, it could be. But like I'm, you know, Obviously, the police have access to all of Brian's communication devices and things like that. Like, I feel like even the connection might just be that he stalked them or targeted them. It's, yeah. Yeah. So I feel like he didn't really like actually know any of them, but maybe like saw some of them in passing sometimes. Yeah. I do find the timing so interesting in that he only went to that university for the semester before the murders. Like, like I do wonder if this was all set up, you know, months and months and months before it all happened. I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Or, may, you know, it also could have been literally he saw them 
when he started stalking them, you know, when he kept driving by the house and all that type of stuff. It could have just yeah. been a not as planned. Yeah, crazy story either way though. I don't think we will find out much more now. Like I feel like the families probably wouldn't want to jeopardize the trial. The police well, probably still were also gag orders, don't want- isn't there? Yeah, and I think the police also wouldn't want to, so I feel like anything new will just be speculation until it all happens. Yeah, so, I mean, if anything does happen, obviously we'll post about it, so. Yeah, and hopefully it does happen on June 26th um, to start the process again, I guess. Yeah. All right, but as far as today's case, we are going to talk about the murder of 13-year-old Tristan Bailey, which happened in May 2021. She was only 13 years old, and she was murdered by a 14-year-old classmate of hers in St. John's County, Florida. Um, it's a crazy story. I know we say that a lot. Like, all these stories are crazy. But this one, they're so young. The kid who is the murderer seems like an actual narcissistic like psychopath. a sociopath yeah yeah or something i know i don't know i'm <laughs> yeah, not trying to diagnose I anyone i know well someone will be like no he can't be that but yeah he seems like a Unhinged. not nice person yeah 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 and it happened so quickly as well that like we're getting to it but when we said we were doing this case a lot of people messaged and said that they were kind of local to the crime and it's really affected the community which I can see absolutely. Um, even my mum asked what case we were doing, and when I told her, she she could like she'd never heard of it, but she's like, "Oh my god!" Like it's just crazy that these things happen to thirteen and fourteen year old kids. Yeah, so we're gonna get into that, and that's that. <laughs> Heart wrenching new details on the murder of St. John's County teenager Tristan Bailey, whose stabbing death shook the Durban Crossing community to the core. The state attorney revealed the 13-year-old girl's accused murderer and schoolmate had previously told his friends he was going to kill someone, but they never spoke up. It's disturbing and concerning that that those statements were were not, let's say, adequately or appropriately, or not taken seriously by the folks that heard them. State Attorney R.J. Larizza announced today that 14-year-old Aiden Fucci will be charged as an adult with first-degree murder. He also disclosed graphic details about the horrible killing. According to the autopsy report, she was stabbed 114 times as she fought for her life. Joy has a statement from the Bailey family. We begin, though, with News for Jack's reporter Vic Michalucci, who's been covering this crime from the beginning. And Vic, the details are just awful. Yeah, and I want to reiterate that, Mary. They are disturbing. They are chilling. So I want to give you that warning one more time before we go into the statements made by R.J. Larizza, the state attorney, as well as this several-page warrant that actually charges Aiden Fuji as an adult with first-degree premeditated murder. So this afternoon, for the first time, we learned how many times investigators believe he stabbed 13-year-old Tristan Bailey 114 times. That's according to the medical examiner who found that out through the autopsy. Now, 49 of those stab wounds were to her neck, to her face, to her head, to her hands, and to her arms. And the state attorney describes those as defense wounds. So she was trying to fight back, trying to protect herself, literally fighting for her life. So on May 9, 2021 in St. John's County, Florida, 
Tristan was reported missing. Her body was found later that evening, and her 14-year-old classmate, Aiden Fucci, was arrested and charged with her murder. So we'll get into a little background info like we usually do. So Tristan lived with her parents, Stacy and Forrest, and she had four siblings, Brittany Bailey Russell, Alexis Bailey, Sophia Bailey, along with a brother named Tegan Bailey, and they referred to them as the Bailey Seven. So all the kids plus the parents make seven. Good math. So they seemed like a super close-knit family. Tristan was a student at Patriot Oaks Academy, and her family have said that she loved cheerleading and TikTok. Her family spoke about what she was like. Um, one of her sisters, Brittany, said she couldn't care less what the world thought of her. She loved herself some Tristan. Um, Alexis, another sister of hers, said that she spent the summer with Tristan after COVID-19 hit, and the two sisters rescued an injured kitten together, and they became very close during the summer. She said, once Tristan was officially in the house, I sat her down and I said, listen, Tria, I'm not your mom. You're going to help maintain this house with me. How old was Alexis? An adult, I'm guessing. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that most of them are older than Tristan. Yeah. Some of them don't live there. They live somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Again, there's a lot of animals there. So we set to work on learning how to do laundry, dishes, vacuum mops, scoop litter boxes, and train my new Great Dane puppy, Snitch. Spoiler alert, Tristan never figured out how to use the vacuum. <laughs> Alexis also said, during that summer, I got to watch Tristan grow and realized how much she is capable of for herself. Tegan said his youngest sister inspired him with the way she pursued her goals. He said, I'm not fluid in cheer terms, but I understand a significant milestone is something called a back tuck. It's <laughs> cute. Um, the amount of times I would hear her talking about this and the amount of practices that she went to to master this, that girl worked for her goals. The day before Mother's Day, Tegan said he went to dinner with his family, and when he got back home, he hadn't reached his calorie-burning goal for the day, so he went for a walk. And when he finished, he told Tristan that he had reached his fitness goal, and she responded, cool, bro. <laughs> he went on to say, the last thing I got to talk about with my sister was reaching my goals. That takes determination and drive things that I learned from her as my sister. So what is confirmed in this case is that on Friday, May 7, 2021, Tristan was seen with some classmates at the Durban Crossing Food Truck Friday event. Tristan was driven there by a friend's parent who also picked them up. So the next day was Saturday, May 8th, and Tristan sent a text at 10.51 p.m. that night. Her family arrived home at 11.45 p.m. that night, and they had been out to dinner to visit one of the adult children. So at 12 a.m., so this is now May 9th, technically, but still talking about the same night. Yeah. Um, Tristan's sister, Sophia, saw her talking on a video chat to a white male wearing a baseball cap. Tristan was wearing a white cheer shirt and dark shorts. 12.25 a.m., Tristan had an incoming voice call from a phone number belonging to Aiden Fucci. And at 12.30, so five minutes later, Tristan apparently went to the house of Adolphus Trey Absher the third. I guess he just goes by Trey. Yeah. Um, so Trey said that Aiden was also there. Tristan and Aiden left the house at around 1 a.m. Two of them were seen on CCTV at 1.24 and 1.45 a.m. And the last sighting of both of them was at 1.45 a.m. And they were seen walking on a sidewalk towards a pond. 3.27 a.m., just one person is seen walking away from the pond. The person can be seen wearing the same clothing that Aiden had on previously. So it seems like two people walked over there, then only Aiden returned. Walked back, yeah. After, like, almost two hours. Yeah, nearly yeah, an hour and 45 minutes or something, yeah. 
Tripping, dude. According to investigators, this is video of Aiden Fucci after his schoolmate Tristan Bailey had been murdered on Mother's Day. We're having fun in a cop car. Fucci on the ride can be heard saying, having fun in a cop car. Bailey's body would be found on Mother's Day. Just hours before Fucci was in the back of this deputy car, Fucci is seen running. This video is at 1.52 in the morning of Mother's Day. St. John's County Sheriff's investigators say the person that was running is Aiden Fucci. Another video at 3.31 in the morning shows what appears to be a boy walking to a door barefoot holding a pair of shoes. A second image shows what appears to be the same person walking up to the house. So at 9.40 a.m. the next day, well, still May 9th, but to most people, it seems like the next day when they woke up in the morning, Tristan's siblings went to wake her up for a Mother's Day breakfast, and this is when they discovered that she was missing. They searched, and when they couldn't find her, they called 911 around 10 a.m. Stacy, which is Tristan's mother, made the call, and she appeared upset and distraught. She told the dispatcher Tristan's physical description and that she had been seen by a sibling around midnight. She also said that Tristan had never snuck out of the house before. Her cell phone was not at home and all the calls were going straight to voicemail. Stacy also said that Tristan's cell phone and Snapchat locations had been turned off and that she did have the Life 360 app, but um, her location stopped being shared across the app. So the dispatcher asked Stacy to search the house room by room while she was on the phone, which I feel like that would annoy me so much. I would have been like, yeah. I did already. <laughs> like you would know generally you'd think in your house where to search. <laughs> I would have been frustrated too. I'd be like, that's really condescending of you to assume <laughs> I didn't do this already. But you never know with the amount of people found in their <laughs> that houses. I found in the house, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Stacey said they had already searched. Um, she also told the dispatcher that Tristan had been hanging out with different friends in the neighborhood um, and that Tristan had not seemed upset the night before, but that she had been a little standoffish lately and had been going into her room a lot to be alone. Stacy confirmed that Tristan had never said anything about wanting to leave or wanting to harm herself, that she had spoken about feeling like she couldn't do anything right. Um, she said Tristan was not on any medications for depression or anxiety, and her mother said that she did not have a boyfriend. So the missing persons report was issued at that time. And it said a missing Florida child alert has been issued for 13-year-old Tristan Bailey of St. John's, according to the St. John's County Sheriff's Office. Bailey was last seen in the area of the 700 block of North Durban Parkway around 1.15 a.m. on Sunday. She is reportedly 5 feet, 4 inches tall, weighs 100 pounds. 120 pounds and goes into more about her physical appearance then so at 2:23 p.m st john's county sheriff's deputy kurt hannon pinged tristan's phone and two deputies went to the home of trey absher and interviewed him at 254 so just some background because there's some duplicate names and it gets a little confusing here so trey third is the kid that was friends with tristan and aiden and his father, the homeowner, is Doffus Absher Jr. So the kid, even though his name is also Doffus, will just refer to him as Trey. Yeah. And the dad as Doffus. Okay. So the dad, Doffus, he talked to police and he said when Tristan came to his house, she snuck around the north side of the house to avoid the security cameras of their residence. Trey and Tristan and Aiden left his house together at the same time. Tristan was wearing a black and gray t-shirt with the word pink across the front and black sweatpants. 
Deputy Robert Maloney then interviewed Aiden at his home on Castledale Court, and this was done with the consent of Aiden's mother, Crystal Smith. Aiden showed the place where he and Tristan went after they left Trey's house. He said they walked to North Durban Parkway. Aiden said Tristan then turned onto Cloisterbane Drive to go to her home. Aiden stated he walked along North Durban Parkway and arrived home between 3 and 3.30 a.m. But police found this odd because Trey's house was only around a 30-minute maximum walk from Aiden's home, so his timeline didn't really match up correctly. Yeah, there's a few hours missing, it seems. Yeah. <laughs> so this is when Aiden changed his story. He said that while they were walking, he got into a fight with Tristan after she grabbed his penis. She said he pushed Tristan to the ground and that she hit her head. He said that he was dizzy from smoking weed at Trey's house and that he wasn't sure if Tristan got up. He said he left and walked alone for a while. He suggested to police that Tristan was likely hanging out with a drug dealer in his 20s. He said that Tristan had been communicating with this adult through Snapchat. So Deputy Maloney believed at this point that crime may have occurred and he advised Aiden of his rights. Aiden and his parents requested an attorney and they stopped providing any further information. At 3 p.m., Corporal Justin Ackerman of the Special Victims Unit went to try to interview two of Tristan's friends, Samantha and Lena Creel. They weren't at their home, but he did speak with her father, Jerry Creel, via the phone. So the father said that Lena, the friend, spoke with Trey earlier, and she was told that Tristan and another boy had snuck out in the middle of the night. So Trey told the friend Lena that Tristan had been going to hang out with a 22-year-old drug dealer named Carlo. At 3.29 p.m., police got some more information about Tristan's cell phone pings. It was tracked to an area with a 2,500-meter radius in a wooded area near the Loop Nursery. The phone signal was said to be historical and was no longer actively sending signals. Police requested a 30-day log of Tristan's calls and texts to see if there had been any deviation in communications and to also determine who she may have been in contact with on May 8th and 9th before she disappeared. Then at 4.29 p.m., Deputy Hannon got an email from SJSO Communications with a photo attachment of a Snapchat. So the Snapchat message, it's like a picture of, of the a phone. phone. <laughs> it's a, so it's a, it's a picture of a phone, and on that phone is a Snapchat that Aiden posted. And the Snapchat message shows Aiden in the backseat of a patrol car taking a selfie while holding up a peace sign in the reflective panel of the car divider. With the Snapchat message was the text banner reading. So this part is what Aiden wrote in his original Snapchat. Hey guys, has anybody seen Tristan lately? And then the message appeared to have been forwarded at least twice and included additional text from other people that said WTF Aiden and you were with her Aiden, you know what happened to her. So basically, some kids took a picture of the Snapchat and then sent it to each other like, what the fuck? And that's what got back to the police. So at this point, Deputy Hannon requested that Aiden's cell phone be seized. And I, just to, to comment, obviously, Aiden seems like a smug little douchebag, like taking selfies in the back of the cop car. Yeah, such a little brat. <laughs> Along with the photo, I think the videos came out later during the investigation, but I'll put the clip here since it's kind of like when it happened. But he took a video of him in the cop car, just like still talking shit about Tristan, kind of at least mentioning her and being like, what the fuck? Like I'm in a cop car, like him and his friend are taking selfies. So you could tell like they thought 
it was like cool kind of like they were posting about it because they thought it made them look cool and like was giving them street cred or something and it's a couple short clips so i'll just put the clips of them here so you can get the vibe <laughs> but yeah it's pretty embarrassing overall having fun in a fucking cop car yep tristan what's up guys tristan yep. if you fucking walk out the damn when you see this in a month fucking just so right on this bitch oh my god <laughs> god damn dude has fucking like flashbangs and shit back there it's in a fucking cop car cuz tripping dude so at 5.02, police discovered that Tristan's last outgoing phone call had been to her sister on May 7th at 9 p.m., and no text records were available at that point. All further calls to Tristan's phone had been incoming. So at 6.06 p.m., later that same day still, a female body was discovered in a wooded area. A man named Daniel Hart discovered her while returning to his home following a run. The body was quickly confirmed as being Tristan. And it said in the report that she was lying on her right side with her head pointed to the east, looking north, and her feet were pointed to the west. Tristan's right leg was bent slightly at the knee, and her left leg was bent at a 90-degree angle. Tristan's right arm was extended with a slight bend at the elbow, and her left arm was bent at the elbow with her hand touching her chin. Tristan was wearing a black Victoria's Secret shirt with the word pink on the front, black Nike brand sweatpants and black and white slip-on Vans shoes. Her hair appeared to be matted and red in color, which appeared to be blood. She had multiple sharp force injury wounds on her hands, arms, neck, and appeared to have additional sharp force trauma injuries to her back, evident by the holes in her shirt. Crime scene tech Marilyn Butts found a gold tone ring, a cell phone, a $20 bill, and a pink vape at the scene. Marilyn also found a possible shoe impression near the body and a Powerade bottle. So then the police, they released a statement at this time. Um, we'll post on the blog, but it basically just says what I said already, that around 10 this morning, Sunday night, that they received a call of a missing person and went into that. Um, and then approximately 6 a.m., a body was discovered in the immediate area. So it just goes into that information again. So police went to Aiden's home at 6.40 p.m. and secured it with crime scene tape pending a search warrant. Nobody was home at the time. At 8 p.m. that night, police went to the Absher home to speak with Trey's father. The father said he did not know and had never met Tristan. He also told police that he spoke to his son at 7 a.m., and that is when he learned that Aiden had come to the house and hung out overnight. He said that at 11 a.m., Trey told him that Tristan had also come over that night. So it seems like Trey kind of snuck them inside while his dad was sleeping to hang out. And gave out bits of information as the day went on. Yeah, as he started getting a little nervous. Trey's dad checked the security cameras, but said that his son knew the location of the cameras and he had snuck out frequently out of view. So he knew how to avoid the cameras, basically. Yeah. At 8.30 p.m., Aiden was being patted down for weapons. A a blue-handled folding knife was found, and Deputy Maloney looked at the knife and didn't observe anything suspicious about it so he for whatever reason gave the knife to Aiden's father Jason which is like maybe you should have kept that just give it another look (laughs) not shockingly after this they asked Jason Aiden's father for the knife and he said he placed it on the bumper of his truck and had forgotten to get it off before driving away and that it was now lost just to spoiler alert I guess Aiden's parents are also the worst (laughs) 
<clears throat> getting to say that. Yeah, this is like the start of it. But if you're like, they're annoying, they are annoying. <laughs> At 8.49 p.m., Aiden was placed in an interview room along with his mother and father. So this info comes from First Coast News and says, while inside the interview room, both of his parents made several comments advising Aiden not to speak about any possible involvement he may have had and also advised Aiden that the room they were in is being recorded. So Crystal and Jason, the parents, asked Aiden questions about the incident, which Aiden answered. They also advised Aiden not to speak until his attorney arrived. Crystal, his mom, then advised Aiden the girl, referring to Tristan, was found in their neighborhood down the main street, and Aiden asked, is she good? Crystal responded, no, she's dead. That's why it's very important. It's all on you right now. Aiden responded, how is it my problem? Crystal and Jason both advised Aiden he was the last one to be seen with her. Crystal and Jason both told Aiden that the Snapchat he posted in the back of the police car was not a smart idea, and they've been receiving threats because of it. Jason asked Aiden if he had any scrapes or anything on him. Aiden responded, no, sir. Jason asked Aiden if he told police anything different, which neither he nor Crystal knew. Aiden stated he did not. Aiden then explained he told police Tristan probably got picked up by her drug dealer. Additionally, Aiden advised Tristan was not going to go home and was going to find someone to stay with. Crystal continued asking where Tristan went after Aiden left her, and Aiden stated she probably kept walking. Jason interjected and stated Aiden pushed her down and then kept walking. Jason then cut himself off and stated, we probably shouldn't be talking in here. So I love how they, at the start, were like, don't talk in here. The room's recorded, but like <laughs> continue to keep talking. <laughs> Jason then stated, you walked away. You came straight home. You didn't turn back around to see where she went. Aiden shook his head no. Jason then asked, what were you doing outside that late at night? Aiden stated he was at Doffus's house hanging out. It's like, shouldn't you know where your kid is? Yeah, you're a 14-year-old kid. <laughs> I know. Yeah, just as a reminder, these kids are only 13 and 14. They are very much younger than they're appearing in this story. Jason asked, did you kiss or do anything with them? Aiden stated he kissed Tristan and denied doing anything further. Jason then asked, so your DNA is going to be on her. Aiden didn't respond. Jason stated, we saw your shoes were off on the camera. Why were your shoes off? Aiden responded, because my feet were hurting and then those shoes give me blisters. Crystal asked Aiden if he came home, then snuck back out again, or if he was at Doffus's house the whole day. Aiden stated he did not sneak back out and was at Doffus's house the whole day. Jason advised because of the Snapchat Aiden and Trey took in the back of the police car, people on social media believed Aiden and Trey raped and murdered Tristan, and Aiden did not respond to that. Crystal asked Jason if Aiden was going to be kept with police. Jason stated he didn't know. There's no evidence he knew of and asked Aiden if he knew anything he did not know of. That was a tough sentence. (laughs) Lots of no of. Crystal asked Aiden if Tristan really grabbed him and he pushed her. Aiden stated Tristan did grab him. Jason asked if Aiden knew what happened after he pushed her and he said no. Crystal asked if Tristan said ow or got mad. Stupid question. Yeah. Why would it matter? (laughs) Aiden said Tristan yelled out his name, he pushed her, told her to fuck off, and he walked away. Aiden stated Tristan probably walked off because she was no longer next to him and he didn't look back. Jason asked if there was anything to worry about. Aiden indicated no. Crystal advised Aiden their house was being searched. Jason asked Aiden why he was damp or wet when he got home. 
Aiden said he was wet due to water from a cup that he spilled on himself. Jason pressed Aiden on how on why he was wet, and Aiden stated he fell. So I don't know. It's very confusing. Yeah, it sounds. Yeah, and it is confusing because then he also kind of references being with Trey later on. But I'm yeah, I don't know. It's all very kind of convoluted. Yeah. So also they're just talking away, being recorded still. <laughs> um. So at 8.59 p.m., police requested consent from Crystal and Jason to take DNA from Aiden. Crystal requested that they wait for their attorney. All right. So we're now at Monday, May 10, which is the day after the murders at 12.44 a.m., so still just after the day. Police searched Aiden's home. They found a Buck brand knife sheath, a pair of wet Nike shoes with blood on them, a T-shirt with blood on it, a white piece of paper with handwriting with possible blood on it, and a pair of wet blue denim jeans in the laundry basket. They also found blood and dirt on the drain in the bathroom sink next to Aiden's bedroom, and they found eight pocket knives. Police also found a notebook during this search. The notebook contained, quote, drawings of a violent nature. Some of the drawings had satanic themes, including a pentagram, as well as violent depictions of women. One of the drawings appeared to show a female with red X's over her breasts and genitals, as well as what appeared to be severed arms with blood coming out. So at 3.30 a.m. on that day, Aiden was arrested on the charge of second-degree murder. He appeared in court the following day, May 11, at 8.30 a.m., and he was remanded in detention for at least 21 days. On May 11, the chief medical examiner determined that the cause of Tristan's death was sharp force trauma by stabbing. It is believed that she was stabbed 114 times. 35 35 of the wounds were to her head and back, and the other wounds were to her torso, chest, back, and upper extremities. Um, There is some information online that... Tristan was found with the word karma written in blue ink on her ankle and there was also a smiley face drawn on the other ankle. Um, I guess they might not know how it got there or if she drew it or if it was, you know, whoever drew it. But one other thing that's kind of debated online is if she was sexually assaulted, but the medical examiner did say that there was no evidence of sexual assault, which actually makes it even a little bit more scary that this wasn't sexually motivated, it seems. I still feel like he probably even though she wasn't sexually assaulted which i get what you're saying does make it like what the hell like what was the motive then i feel like he i'm sure that he tried to like hook up with her maybe she said no or something it's just like it is a little bit surprising to me that he seems to have been alone with her for you know an hour at least like yeah it's just i am surprised that she wasn't sexually assaulted yeah i think i read in on something i don't know if it was an article or if it was when i was just browsing the incident report that they they were smoking together so that mm. could have been like the hour yeah true maybe they were sitting around the pond or whatever smoking and then and then tried to make a move yeah so aiden was originally due to be represented by an attorney named andy snowbar on may 17 that attorney filed to withdraw from the case and the motion was granted by the court on May 20, a judge approved a motion filed on behalf of Aiden's parents. It was announced then that Aiden would now be represented by the Public Defender's Office, which was led by uh, an attorney named Joshua Mosley. On Thursday, May 27, it was announced that Aiden would now face a first-degree murder charge and that he would be charged as an adult. He was moved to an adult correctional facility in St. John's County the following day. On Thursday, June 3, Aiden pled not guilty to first-degree murder. 
And a few days later, on June 5, Aiden's mother, Crystal, was arrested on a warrant. She was charged with tampering with evidence in the case. This info about what she allegedly did is from First Coast News. It says, authorities say surveillance video in Aiden's home shows Crystal going to her son's bedroom after he was taken to the sheriff's office. Crystal is seen in the video retrieving a pair of blue jeans, scrubbing them, and then returning the pants to the bedroom. When officers returned to the home, they confiscated a pair of damp jeans from the bedroom. The jeans and a drain in the bathroom tested positive for blood. So basically, she had an inkling of what had happened and tried to kind of clean up the mess. And it seems like um, this when we were just talking about how they were talking in the incident report, it said another part um, of the conversation was Aiden. They were asking like what he was wearing for whatever reason, and Aiden said he was wearing blue jeans. But then after a few minutes, Crystal was like, you were wearing khakis, right? And the police said in the report that it seemed like she was trying to lead him into saying he was wearing khakis to try to throw off police or something, I guess. <laughs> It's a bit of a too little, too late. <laughs> yeah. And so just backtracking a little bit here time-wise, but we also learned during this case that Aiden's father, Jason, had spent time in jail for battery and child abuse in 2003. He was 18 at the time when he engaged in sexual activity with a 15-year-old female in his home. He was also booked in 2016 for battery after he got into a fight at a gas station. So now back to kind of uh, 2021, on July 14, documents were released with an interview with one of Aiden's friends. The friends said that Aiden talked frequently about murdering people and had said that he planned to murder someone by dragging a random person into the woods and then stabbing them to death. They also spoke with an eighth grader who had allegedly dated Aiden and she said that he frequently talked about killing people. She said he always carried a knife when he was not in school and had more than once pretended to stab her or had come up behind her and put the knife to, to her throat. The girlfriend also said that Aiden had given his knives names. Two of them were Picker and Poker. The poker knife ended up being recovered in the pond near where Tristan's body was found. A friend of Tristan's who was interviewed by investigators said that she didn't like Aiden and she described him as, quote, textbook definition of what you would call a numb kid. He has no feelings towards anyone, no feelings towards himself. And she went on to say, he's the type of person you would see as a murderer. He just doesn't care. So Monday, July 26th, 2021, Crystal pled not guilty to the tampering with evidence charge. And then it seems like there was some kind of legal holdups in this case. On October 28th, 2021, Aiden's attorney, Joshua Mosley, filed a continuance that was granted until February 2nd, 2022. He appeared in court on the February date and the trial was set for November 2022. By Thursday, April 5, last year, 2022, Aiden had a new public defender named Rosemary Peoples. Um, and on that date, the actual trial dates were set for November 7 to 18 last year. So spoiler alert, that didn't happen. Um, in August last year, the trial was moved to February this year, 2023. The postponement occurred after Aiden's attorney said that she had 40 more depositions that still needed to be taken and that the extra time would allow her to complete those. In December 2022, a St. John's County judge denied a motion to move Aiden out of the jail where he is, and he opted also not to change the venue for the murder trial. Judge Ali Smith said he would revisit the decision to possibly move the trial out of the area if an impartial jury could not be found. The defense wanted to move the trial due to all the pretrial publicity. The defense team said that the St. John's County Sheriff Rob Hardwick's word carried great weight with area residents. 
During the course of the investigation, the sheriff called Tristan's killing a cold-blooded murder. Aiden's lawyers also spoke about community involvement for the time as part of their case and, you know, and reasoning for wanting the trial to be moved. They said that the community was involved in the search for her when, when an alert was issued and have, and have since held at least nine separate memorials, several, several vigils and various remembrances. So basically it's like the community is too involved in this case. Their argument is that the trial cannot happen there. Mm-hmm. They also listed more than two dozen reasons why they believed Aiden should be moved to a different jail. This info about that is from News for Jacks. It says, the document notes that Aiden has been in a form of solitary confinement for over 400 days, with exceptions where he was in the general population for 129 days. Um, he has been denied access, they say, to any form of group re- recreation, either indoor or outdoor. He's denied access to group education. He's not allowed to eat meals out of his cell. He's not permitted to participate in religious services or jail programs. I feel like they are keeping him in confinement for his own safety is part of the reasoning yeah. for it because he's been housed in an adult jail. Um, he's been housed, that. Yeah, housed there, though, because the St. John's County Jail doesn't have a juvenile section. Yeah, I saw an article that said that um, there was threats like made against him by other inmates, and that's why he was in solitary. Exclusively right now on First Coast News tonight, the St. John's County teen accused of murdering his middle school classmate claims he is enduring, quote, ongoing torture at the Duval County Jail. Aiden Fucci, who is being charged as an adult in the stabbing death of 13-year-old Tristan Bailey, is being held in solitary confinement at the jail according to a new motion filed in the case. Fuji's attorneys say he was placed in solitary because of, quote, threats of violence against him within the jail and for prior disciplinary and action and also suicidal ideation. The motion says solitary confinement amounts to cruel and unusual punishment and will result in psychological harm. Now, the motion asked the judge to move him to a different facility or asked jail officials to house him in a less restrictive setting. Prosecutors have not yet filed a response to this motion. Um, The St. John County Sheriff argued that he didn't want Aiden to change jails, saying that basically he's lost the right to choose where he's held after he was indicted by a grand jury for first-degree murder. What's going on? Is there like sirens out there? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So just as an update into Crystal's tampering with evidence trial, that is still apparently going to go ahead in April this year, so we will keep you posted. May 9, 2022 marked one year since Tristan's murder. Her family made um, this statement to the media. It says, as a family, we continue to be devastated and overcome with grief at the loss of Tristan. With time, we are learning to deal with carrying this loss forward. We draw our greatest strength from our love of Tristan and seek to honour her memory in line with her spirit. Our St. John's and Jacksonville community, her teammates and classmates are simply incredible in the acts of kindment, in the acts of kindness and encouragement for one another. It is in the day-to-day memories and expressions of love that we best carry Tristan forward. We are working on many lasting ways in which Tristan's legacy will support the good. In the next year, we look forward to formally announcing many of these efforts. Presently, we are working to align with a youth mental health program, a community-focused gym that will also support defence classes and a scholarship program. So then it just goes on to more and more about what they're going to plan to do to honour Tristan's memory. 
Um, and they finish off with, as we take today to reflect upon Tristan's memory and the light her passing has inspired, we encourage everyone to find a moment each day to feed the good wolf. Through acts of kindness and love as a community, we can drive out evil together. With love always, the Bailey Seven. Tristan's mother, father, and siblings aren't looking forward to this day. It's more pain as they cope with losing her. However, they say that they're able to support each other and the love from the community makes a big difference. They're known as the Bailey Seven. Tristan Bailey's parents and siblings have stayed strong, even in the worst of times. There are no words to say. There are no words that will heal it. So all of the messages that poured in from people all over the place, they helped us. I will follow what Tristan has always said. Get it together. You got this, Mom. Always and forever, my cheerleader and my sweet baby girl. They spoke publicly at her celebration of life last May. Since then, they've remained silent so they don't affect the criminal case. So there has been a small update in this case in the last few days. On January 5, um, the Aiden representing Aiden, did I say the Aiden, the attorney? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So on January 5, the attorney representing Aiden filed another motion and is asking that the aim of that motion remain confidential. Basically, this is from News for Jacks. It says, documents obtained Friday show that the motion was filed Wednesday. The St. John's County Clerk of Courts on Thursday informed the lawyer that the motion does not meet the requirements of confidentiality and gave the attorney 10 days to seek a hearing. Notably, there was a confidential filing last year and that remains under seal. Aiden's trial remains scheduled for February 6 and his next court appearance is scheduled for January 20. So it'll be interesting to see what happens and what they're trying to keep confidential, which we might find out in the next few days. Yeah, it's weird. I don't even know what it could be. Hmm. Um, one, when I said that we were going to cover this case, someone wrote a message and said, I hope that you guys are going to talk about the kind of social media trolls in this case. And it was wild. Like there's screenshots on our website. I'll put some on the blog as well. Um, the kids went crazy. They would, they would make posts about trying to storm, you know, the jail and free Aiden. Even like I saw so many posts where police would go to these kids' houses and the kids would take photos of the police knocking on the door. Like a lot of them really seemed to enjoy trolling in this case. And just goes to show like how young they are. Like they don't get the gravity of the situation. They just think it's like dumb and funny to be controversial and bad, kind of like how Aiden thought it was funny to be in the back of the police car, like on Snapchat for everyone to see. And there's an article about a specific example of trolling in this case where a kid who didn't even live in the state, who lived in Nashville in Tennessee, was targeted. His name was Levi Whitehouse. Um, It says basically that so he was targeted by bullies. And when he spoke to the media, he said, I have no clue about the case. Um, what Levi said that the accounts even used a picture of him standing by a friend's tombstone. His face was plastered all over social media where the things were viewed millions of times. And now his family are receiving death threats. His father said, I pray for the family for having to go through this mess, but I promise we are not involved in it. They said there's no connection to the case for the family. Levi says he's never even been to Florida, um, but he was part of an online video game community with Aiden apparently. So, like, these kids are just the worst. And there was even – I saw – there was comments on 
her Instagram on in like her cute little cheerleading outfits and stuff and trolls or kids from school were like commenting like oh if you didn't wear stuff like that you wouldn't have gotten murdered so just like typical shitty victim blaming because I mean we didn't it's like a dumb thing to say but like Tristan she was like a cute girl she I could see like boys having crushes on her and they're just like kind of trying to almost like slut shame a 13 year old girl it seems yep um I want to talk about also that video yeah go for it so it was during it was during one of his hearings he called in by phone on video chat from the jail and he was definitely trying to go for the i'm crazy and don't understand what's going on very nicholas cruz from parkland being like why am i here what's going on like i just want to talk to my mom and dad and and he's like mumbling he's rocking back and forth and he's talking about how he knows that the demons killed his soul and I won't let the demons take my soul. And I'll put in a clip of it here. It's just kind of him mumbling. But you can, it's just like so obviously fake. I I know I'm not a doctor and I can't diagnose it, but he seemed very um, aware and sassy when he was making his dumb little videos and dumb posts about Tristan and the cop car and everything. And and now he thinks that rocking back and forth is going to get him an insanity plea. Aiden Fucci looks around aimlessly, appearing to be confused during court on Wednesday. What do you got going on? Why am I here? I just want to talk to my mom and dad. What's going on? What's going on? He rocks back and forth and mumbles about demons. What's going on? I don't want to hate you demons. I don't want to hate you demons take my soul. You demons want to take my soul away. Reminds me a bit of Letitia, you know, Gannon's stepmom as well. Like she, Mm. I feel like she was very aware of a lot of what she was doing in terms of acting crazy. Yeah, I swear he watched the Nicholas Cruz video because Nicholas (laughs) Cruz did the same thing. Like they were like, if we rock back and forth, they'll know we're crazy. Yeah, that's crazy 101 is rocking back and forth. (laughs) Yeah, but it's just, in my opinion, it's all fake. Yeah. I would agree. And I think they do agree because the trial is apparently going ahead next month, fingers crossed. Yeah. And it's just like, not not funny, but you, you could tell that now he knows that he messed up because he's, he's scared, obviously, because he's not so smug anymore. He's trying to fake that he doesn't know what's going on, where initially he was very confident in his dumb posts. So if he is convicted of first degree murder, that is usually a sentence of 25 years to life. Um, and basically he will apparently still be housed in the adult jail if he's convicted. But because he is a minor, if he does receive a life in prison sentence, he may be eligible for a review at age 25 because he's a minor, which doesn't seem that long away really for now that he'll be 16 in nine years. That's not a big sentence, but I, I feel like he will get longer than that. Yeah, hopefully. Mm. He just seems like... I feel bad because it's like I'm talking about a kid, but he just seems like absolute trash. Like like sometimes when we talk about cases, you're like, well, that's a really sad situation. That, but I feel like this kid was just out to cause trouble. Yeah, I yeah. agree. Um, I mean, we don't know what his home life was like. It seems like his parents were very unaware of what he was up to. Like when they were in the room where they were being recorded, they were asking like, why were you out so late? What were you doing? And but it seems like they were also very much enabling him to be bad to the point where they were willing to clean the blood off of his clothes and 
try to skew the story when they knew that they were being recorded. Yeah. And I guess, I mean, parents are going to protect their kids, but <laughs> to what extent? I don't know. So we still don't actually know, like, a motive or anything or what led him to killing her. I don't know if that will come out during the trial or I'm sure some of their theories will come out. But, I mean, like I said, my assumption was he tried to make a move on her. She wasn't into it. Um, that could be one thing that happened. Or did he really just lure her out there with the intent Random. wanting to kill someone? Yeah, and either either option wouldn't surprise me. I could see it going both ways. Um, I did see a comment on Reddit. I don't know if this is true or not. I'd have to I'll have to see if I could try to find what they were talking about. But someone said that like right before the murders happened, he posted a video on TikTok talking about like how she was so pretty and how she was like prettier than than supermodels or something. Don't know if that's true, but I feel like that would go with the theory of like he had a little crush on her and maybe tried to hook up with her or something and she wasn't into it. I feel like there must be some probable I shouldn't say must. I feel like there's likely to be some truth in the whole make a move and she rejected him thing, especially because he said that she tried to grab his penis. Like I feel like That's what I was thinking too. Yeah. Like there's some truth to that. Yeah. But he, he's, he's derived it. that from somehow, like he might have, yeah, I don't know, being gross, like and she rubbed himself on, on him. her or something. Yeah, yeah, which is horrible because again, they're they were only 13, 14 years old. But that is really it for this case. Um, we will hopefully get more information next month when the trial starts, as long as it goes forward. It does seem to like at this point it has to. The trial isn't scheduled to last very long. Like I think the last one they'd scheduled it for 11 days or something so hopefully by the end of february we should have an outcome so we'll have to definitely keep you posted yeah so now we all have the background of this case so if you guys want to follow the trial you'll at least have an idea of what's going on because we'll definitely post about it um but i think that's really it for this episode sorry if i had kind of a low energy i haven't been feeling too great the last couple of days but i don't want anyone to be like oh stephanie sounds so lame I, that's how i feel I don't I know, don't i'm just being insecure <laughs> but also i can't have like thank you but i've said before it feels weird to have like a high energy when we're talking about poor Teenage children murder. who are being killed yeah but um so as usual, everything I always say, everything, the information, we actually found the incident report to this whole thing. It's like 30 pages long. We could post that on the blog or on Instagram. Um, the blog is truecrimesocietyblog.com. So all the info will be there. We always post on Instagram. Uh, that's True Crime Society. Definitely follow us there. You can follow our personal accounts. Mine's StephSum underscore and Olivia's is TCS Olivia. They're in the bio of the True Crime Society one if you don't remember and want to follow us we got some we did get some more nice reviews after i talked about how someone called us the forever 21 of podcasts someone, someone left said we a, prada. a yeah someone left a silly review it said they're actually the prada of podcasts which thank you so much while you were just wrapping up then i just looked at some messages <clears throat> we got one from chelsea <laughs> you don't know about this it's quite funny it says i literally cannot stop replaying when steph said she had to do a three-point turn she would decide the murder wasn't going to happen that day <laughs> in my head and i die laughing every time because it's so true <laughs> it is though it's like just cut your losses bro <laughs> come back another day <laughs> like it's not it's not going in your favor <laughs> how embarrassing making a three-point turn on your way to murder yeah in like in the street where you're going to murder all these people 
And I love how we're talking about Brian Koberger, by the way, if you're not familiar. As oh, part yeah. of the affidavit, <laughs> they said he drove past the house and did a three point turn, basically right before the murders, I believe. But it was funny because I feel like they like put that in just to like subtly roast him because they're like after after Brian tried to unsuccessfully park (laughs) (laughs) and it's not like he was trying to park a massive car it was just a Hyundai Elantra (laughs) no it's not like it was a crowded road where he had to like parallel park or anything (laughs) uh what a dick anyways so um share the podcast rate it give us more nice reviews big help to us when you guys do that uh no ads on this episode so check out our sponsors from past episodes um and that's that Hmm. hope you guys found this interesting um thanks for listening be safe out there peace out